Love to Golf Better at Edwin Watts Golf. Episode 169. Hello, everyone. My name is Tom Brussell, and thanks so much for joining us. We say it every time. If you're a first-time listener, long-time subscriber, or somewhere in the middle, it doesn't matter. Either way, we're just glad that you joined us today. And joining me in studio today, been a while, our Vice President of Purchasing, Vendor Relations, and Sports Communications, Kerry Cabase. Kerry, thanks so much for joining us, man. Hey, Tom. Good to be here. We have a special guest joining us in our friendly confines here, Studio A on Marwalt Drive. If you listen to regional sports talk in the southeast, you know him. You've heard him. He is the voice on that flamethrower, 100.3, the ticket for the morning rap show and a myriad of other things. He's a journalist, but he's uh, joining us today and got the hat on backwards, just like Ricky Fowler does when he interviews. And he's joining us today, Mr. Rob Brown. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. My it's, pleasure, it's man. Great having you, man. You know, I went with the flat bill in honor of Ricky Fowler and everything. Yeah, and I heard you say on your show today that you'll never be in the Hall of Fame if you wear your hat backwards. No, somebody said that, uh, right? Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's what somebody said about my man Johnny Football, Johnny Manziel. And uh, between me, him, and Ken Griffey Jr., man, the backwards hat, all the cool kids are doing it. <laughs> well, glad Glad you joined us. A little bit to our listeners about how you got started, how you got in the field you're in, because you're you're still young as far as age goes, but you've you've come a long way and a journalist at heart, right? Did you tell my knees and my back? Was, <laughs> would you mind telling them that? Uh, no, I actually uh, I got very very lucky to stumble into journal, uh, journalism and, and radio broadcasting uh, many months ago. I was going to Tallahassee. I went to Florida State. Go Knowles, national champs. <clears throat> Uh, anyway, I was coming home uh, my after my third year. My, my dad uh, got sick, got cancer. He was living here by himself with my mom. And so I came home to uh, kind of help take care of her a little bit. And so uh, on the way home, I was driving around, and I heard uh, the gentleman who was doing uh, just a kind of a college football show at the time on the radio. And I thought, man, you would be really cool. I'd like to do that. I love to talk. I love sports. I love journalism. Why not kind of wrap all the three up and Think about doing a radio show. So you did the writing in high school, right? Yes, school I, did, yep. I, I covered uh, covered uh, a number of events for the uh, Northwest Florida Daily News when I was in high school. I was actually uh, the youngest person ever to get to actually publish a column. I don't know if that's still true, but it was at the time. Uh, won a handful of, of uh, awards for my high school journalism. So I thought, you know, why not kind of, again, pull it all together? So I started going. I walked into this gentleman's remote and said, hey, I, I cover high school football. I'd like to come on. He invited me on on a Friday. Uh, he had me on every Friday for the rest of the football season, and then, uh, once high school football season came to an end, he said, look, man, i got to go out of town. I need somebody to host the show. Do you want to give a crack at it? So did that, guest hosted for him for a couple of weeks, and then a few weeks later they had an opening for a producer on the morning wrap. And, uh, you know, eight years later, here we are hosting a, a primetime show. Uh, I've gotten the opportunity to do some work for Roy Jones Jr. and, and call some play-by-play with him on some different pay-per-views and, uh, uh, you know, travel the world doing all kinds of different stuff. So it's a, it's a really cool experience. I'm, I'm really happy to have – Stumbled into it, and uh, and of course the most important honor it led me here to do a podcast with Thomas. So, <laughs> Gets, moves right up the ladder. Hey, wanted to ask you about golf because this is a golf company. You had a very very interesting experience. You got a golf lesson that you weren't expecting one time. Is that right? Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, speak of the devil, it was uh, from Mr. Abel Watts. As a matter of fact, I, uh, I used to live back in in Shalimar Point Golf Course, and. Uh, it was my home course. I grew up on that course. As a matter of fact, on hole number five for many years, and, and uh, playing three, four, five, and six was how I learned the game. Anyway, I was out in my front yard one day, and I lived about nine houses down from Edwin, who every day would drive past my house. And uh, him and my dad were buddies. And, and, you know, I knew him in passing. I never really gotten the chance to talk to him. I was probably nine years old at the time. Anyway, I was out in the front yard uh, kind of swinging the ball just a little bit, swinging the club around a little bit. 
uh, and hitting some chip shots into the garage where I kept my, my net. Uh, and Edwin pulled into my driveway, and I assumed he was coming to talk to my dad. Well, I actually, he was coming to talk to me. He saw me hitting balls, uh, and he had seen me on the range a couple of times. But he said, uh, he said, son, I, I bet you shag balls off to the left, don't you? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Uh, consistently, I'm actually really good at hitting things as long as they're way off on the left. Uh, so anyway, he took about five minutes, and, and he kind of tinkered and tailored my, my swing right there in my front yard for me and uh, taught me, uh, you know, he said, the, the way you're pushing the ball, just kind of roll your wrist under a little bit and, and do this and put the ball up in your stance. And he spent about 10 or 15 minutes with me, and he said, go to the range tomorrow, hit a handful of balls, I'll come back and check on you. So a couple of days later, uh, he drove back right after I got off of football practice. I was hitting balls in front of the garage, and uh, sure enough, he pulled in the house. He asked me how it was going. I told him it, it worked phenomenally. It was perfect. Uh, everything he told me worked out very well. So uh, my uh, my outstanding golfing today, which of course uh, wins me at least 19th place in many tournaments throughout the area, it's very prestigious, I know, uh, is is courtesy for, of some help from uh, from Mr. Edwin. And uh, it, it was kind of just one of those random stories that, uh, you know, I'll never forget that moment of, of him being willing to pitch in and help out a little kid that, uh, you know, he, he knew who I was but didn't know me from Adam. And uh, uh, here I am. 20 years later, and, and to this day, will find myself very frequently over on the first tee telling myself, all right, roll that wrist over, put the ball back in the stance a little bit, you know, and, and do what Mr. Watts said. And uh, it worked out and still does. Many people don't know this. They think of Edwin as the golf retailer magnate, the, 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 the great businessman, the, the salesman. But back early in the days, Kerry, back at Fort Walton Municipal, he, he loved teaching. He was a renowned teacher in the area. Very good teacher. He did it a lot. I mean, he spent a lot of time on the driving range. I mean, uh, he probably spent as much time on the range teaching as he did inside the shop. So, and it's something he really loved to do. And, uh, it was a very good teacher. Uh, his uh, brother, Ronnie, was also a teacher. And, uh, uh, that was a lot of what they did out at Fort Walton Beach in the early days. A lot of free clinics for kids and all. But the, the best heartwarming story I ever heard was back in the, uh, back in the late sixties, around 1969, 1970, being this Air Force town we are here was right smack dab in the middle of Vietnam and everybody on your street was in Vietnam and Edwin would have free clinics for servicemen's wives out out on the course and you know you were thinking oh well, he's just trying to sell equipment or something but when you get when you got between the lines back in those days there was no facebook no email no twitter the only way that they knew any communications from their husbands at all were two ways one is a letter from their husband that might arrive two or three weeks later and the other is that dreaded blue station wagon pulling up and saying their husband has either been killed or taken missing in action or prisoner. And Edwin said for at least a couple hours a week, he, those ladies could forget about all that. And he took their minds off of that and, and gave them a dream that maybe they could play with their husbands later on. So that was it's pretty moving, and Edwin loved doing stuff like that. Oh, yeah, junior clinics, uh, really advocate of, uh, you know, helping out uh, junior golfers and get them started in the game. And just like Rob, what he did with Rob is uh, uh, there are many stories like that where he stopped and helped people and, uh, you know, that started the game out at a young age. Well, in a couple months, we've got the Ryder Cup. That means three captain's picks. It's time to get opinionated. You and I wanted to get opinionated. We brought in the regional opinionator here, <laughs> Rob Brown, to talk about That's the golf. nicest thing anybody said about me today, actually. <laughs> and to talk a little bit about the golf so far this year. And the most recent memory, obviously, is the Open Championship, the Rory Show, but also Rory, Ricky, Sergio, and, and how all they handle themselves. Your thoughts on the, on the Open Championship? Well, first and foremost, and I hate to say this, and I don't know if I'll catch backlash I have on the show. I'm sure I will here as well, and uh, that's okay. Uh, did anybody else but me think that the, the course looked almost too easy? 
I hate to say that, but you know, when guys are rocking minus seventeen before they start the day on Sunday, uh, and maybe I'm you know one of those traditional Americans that I, I, I want to see guys, I want to see guys playing like I have to play. I want them to be in the rough and have to fight out. I want them to have to hit those crazy shots like Phil did at the Masters a few years ago out of the hay between three trees to get close and, and try to get up and down. I thought the course almost made it too easy for the guys at the top. And, and granted, it provided us with some drama with Sergio's charge late in the day. It provided us with some drama uh, with, with with Rory there. And we all have seen Rory fall apart at the end of tournaments. So you're thinking, could it happen again? It did give us some drama, but... Uh, the, the course itself, I thought it set up to be too easy. That being said, really happy to see Sergio making a pushback up towards the top of his game and, and playing well again. Uh, you know, obviously, Sergio is kind of one of those guys that personality-wise, he draws some ire amongst the golf fans. But when the guy's playing golf, and, and especially when he's got his eyes set on somebody that's ahead of him, uh, and he dials it in. I mean, he's he's phenomenal to watch at the top of his game. So to see Sergio really make that push on the back nine on Sunday, uh, I thought made the Open very memorable for me. Well, I, I, as you look at the golf course, if you remember watching in 2008, you didn't really believe it was the same golf course. You had a golf course that was definitely uh, uh, hard and fast, and there wasn't any green on it, and uh, you, know, you couldn't hit driver. Uh, Rory said before the tournament when he went out there, he goes, wow, this is sets up for my game. I won't be able to use my driver this week and be able to drive the ball. And it's not, think about it, the two of the best drivers in the game, Sergio and Rory, are there at the end. And you know, just a totally different tournament than it was in uh, the previous uh, Open they had there. For the first time I ever remember, and I mentioned this with Tony Ruggiero the other day on a podcast a while back, was uh, the U.S. Open course this year at Pinehurst looked like an Open Championship course, and 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 vice versa. The Open Championship at Hoylake almost looked like an American golf course where those guys are just shooting mega low scores. Yeah, and again, I, I don't mind if guys go out there and truly earn low scores, and, and certainly Rory did by making that push on Saturday, but uh, w- when you've got so many of them, what was it, the top 14, 15 guys were all a dozen below or better. Uh, it just seems to me like a lot of the ch- – don't get me wrong. I love seeing these guys have to slug it out, whether it's 17 under, 7 under, or, or 2 over trying to get back to par. I'm fine. But to me, the game of golf, I've, I've always appreciated the concept of golfer against the course more than golfer against other golfers. And to me, that tournament set up for golfers to have to golf against other golfers, whereas places like Augusta, places like Pebble Beach – you can't worry about what the guy ahead of you doing. You can't worry about what the guy behind you is doing. You got to go out there and beat number sixteen. And then when you beat sixteen, you got to beat seventeen. And then when you beat seventeen, you got to beat eighteen. And this course, it didn't look like they were doing. In fact, it looked like towards the end, Rory was kind of picking and choosing his spots based on what Sergio was doing. Sergio was picking and choosing his spots based on what Rory was doing. Both of them were kind of looking back at Ricky Fowler and picking and choosing their shots based on what Ricky was doing. And so, to me, it set up as golfer versus golfer, which is a nice change of pace, I guess. But that's just not the way I want the majors to go. It would be nice to see that in, in an occasional weekly tournament, but but not the big four. Two final thoughts for me. One is the way Sergio exited on 18. He's almost gone from being the villain to the beloved, blowing kisses to the crowd, thanking the crowd, and, uh, and losing uh, very, very, very graciously. The other is Tiger Woods. Bogey's his first two holes of the tournament. The next 16, he's five under, and he has everybody, okay, here we go. And then he got on the treadmill and just went back and back and back, and he only beat three players. 
this uh, tiger is obviously the the ticket on uh, for for a station like mine. It's an FM talker, and we have such a diverse audience. We have people who who are fascinated with golf, like us. We have guys that as soon as they hear the four letter word, they're they're tuning out. So you've got to kind of find that medium. And Tiger, to this day, continues to be my ticket to be, if you will, allowed to talk about golf. As long as I work Tiger into the conversation, people stay interested. Well. It was obviously a very interesting tournament to talk about on Thursday and Friday. And by the way, if we could start every tournament at 7 a.m. on weekdays so that I have something to do, it would be fabulous. PGA Tour, clue in on this, man. But uh, it was interesting to talk about him Thursday as we're watching him go up and then go back down and playing well and playing poorly on Friday and, and then playing better towards the end of Friday, etc. cetera. Uh, but obviously, the end of the day fell apart, and, and to me, I blame it on his body, and I know that sounds bad, but the, the amount of surgeries and the amount of rehab that this guy's had to go through, I, ha- I heard people picking Tiger. I heard people saying he'll contend and fall down a little bit late, but my thought is, and I, I, I know he'll win more tournaments in the future. There's no question. He's probably even got a major in him, but why did people expect this guy to show up play his first, not just his first major, but really his first competitive golf after a major surgery, so major it kept him out of the Masters. If Tiger could have even played at 50%, he'd have been at Augusta. We know that, right? So it was such a major undertaking uh, surgically that he was willing to sit out at Augusta. Then he shows up across the pond, way away from his comfort zone, and for some reason everybody expected him to be this ultra-competitive golfer. He needed to get the rust off, and I thought he showed you that he's still capable of going out there and putting a pretty good round together. So, you know, I, I'm reading this different than a lot of other people. People are going, oh, lowest major ever, worst major ever, got beat by Tom Watts and only beat a couple of guys, and, and yeah, I understand that's bad, but I think if you look at it from the outside in, the surgeries, the travel, all that he's gone through over the past couple of months, to be as competitive in a couple of rounds as he was shows me he's still got gas in the tank. He's not going to go destroy tournaments like he used to, but he's going to show up and he's going to compete and he's going to make some guys look behind him at Tiger coming on Sundays at some point in the future. Yeah, I think what hurt him there is the driver was a big club in your bag in this tournament. It usually isn't, but it was in this tournament, and that's the worst club in his bag right now. So I think he gave up a lot where you know Rory's out there hitting 300-yard drives you know, right down the middle, so the Sergio Tiger wasn't hitting down the middle with his driver. So I think Rob's right. I mean, hey, you can't expect a guy to come back second turn back, misses the the Masters and the and the U.S. Open to come back here. But uh, you know, it, it just takes time. I and mean, I just hope that I hope that he's able to play well these next couple of weeks. Because I think it would be a real shame for him not to be in the FedEx Cup uh, that we're only three weeks away from. We got uh, two more tournaments on Tiger's schedule. That being the Bridgestone up at Firestone Country Club, and also the PGA Championship at uh, at Valhalla. But uh, once again, Rory McIlroy, congratulations! Uh, he gets that third leg of the g- career Grand Slam, and Phil Bickelson is congratulating him for taking that off his shoulders because now all the pressure is <laughs> now going to be on Rory going into Augusta. So let's talk. Let's get controversial. Let's talk Ryder Cup. If it were to end right now, your nine qualifiers for Ryder Cup. Would be Bubba Watson, Jim Furyk, Jimmy Walker, Ricky Fowler, Dustin Johnson, Matt Kuchar, Jordan Spieth, Jason Duffner, and Zach Johnson. You say, Jimmy Walker. Who's Jimmy Walker? Well, he had a heck of a fall last year in the new schedule where the fall counts to this year. And he had a good start to this year. But like it or not, he's in. I mean, that's the way it is. So we went from two captain's picks several Ryder Cups ago to three. Your thoughts on the Ryder Cup team and chances? This is Tom Watson's second time. I think this is the third time a captain has been captain multiple times in the Ryder Cup. He didn't go there to show up and have a good time. He's there to bring the cup back. So, Kerry, your thoughts on 
who you would take right now if you were Tom Watson for a day? Well, I think, you know, it's a tough call for him because you, know, you got the greatest player maybe of all time, but he's obviously coming off injuries like that. What does he do with Tiger Woods? But I'm, I'm of the belief that uh, that you need to go a hot player, so I'm actually going to leave uh, Tiger and Phil off my team. I'll be the first controversial guy. And you're going to be at Callaway Golf next week, I believe. I will right? be. <laughs> I will be. And I'm sure they'll give me a hard time about it. But I've got, uh, but I think I got one Callaway guy here. I've got Keegan Bradley who I think is a hell of a competitor, and I think he would be uh, a very good choice. I have Chris Kirk uh, on the team, who's had a very good year, very solid player, been playing well here lately. And another guy that's been playing well lately, Ryan Moore. So those are my three captain picks. Uh, But the one thing I do want to say is the guy I think that may have the hardest pick is the guy on on the British side. I think Bernhard Langer should be on the Ryder Cup team. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's been unbelievable. If he's not one of the top 10 or 15 players in the world, I don't know who he is. I would love to see Bernhard on the team. At 56 years old? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's had a heck of a year on the the Champions Tour and worldwide. I mean, he's just, he's in it all the time. I think the European team, I think it would be unbelievable to have him on there. And I think he deserves to be on. I'm not just saying he's a token big. The guy's playing as good a golf on, on tough golf courses. I mean, he just wins the British you know, senior open by 13 shots. Yeah, I mean, laps the field. Unbelievable. Yeah, uh, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Do you take the, the the greatest golfer of our time who's rehabbing? Uh, do you take one of the ultra competitors? But if you go back and look at those Ryder Cup records from Tiger and Phil, I think Tiger's 13, 14, and 2. And Phil, the, you look that one up. 11, 17, and 6. So, so not exactly, uh, you know, great records. My three would be Bill Haas, Keegan Bradley, and Harris English. Right now, and I think Coach Watson can coach him up. Uh, youth is uh, youth and enthusiasm is sometimes better than wisdom and not playing real good. So, Rob, I'll lob it to you. Your three captains picks. The caveat is they cannot be Europeans, and we bring them over to our team. You got to. I was going to say the fantasy draft style. I like that. Uh, no, I. You know what? It's it's funny to me, and I said this before we got going, and we were kind of kicking it around, setting the show up. Uh, I, I find it amusing that the younger guy in the group, and I love the young guys, Ricky Fowler. I've enjoyed following him. Roy McIlroy, love following. I love when young guys get involved and start being successful. Uh, I'm going with the guys who have been there and done this in our, in our experience. Uh, my first two are Phil and Tiger, and I know that I'm. There's a lot of people telling me I'm wrong here, and I, that's okay with me. As I just pointed out. I saw flashes of brilliance out of Tiger. You're right. The driver's not what it used to be when he was piping it out there at 310, 315. But the guy is still capable of putting together very solid rounds, and we saw that right now. And when you're talking about those bottom three picks, you're, I'm looking for consistency. Maybe not greatness, but I'm looking for consistency. I know that Tiger can still put it together. And on top of that, he will have been playing for how many months at that point? He will have been rehabbing for how many months at that point? He will have played in some competitive tournaments for how many months at that point? So his head will be a little bit more in the game than I think it was at the Open Championship. I'll take Phil. If nothing else, because Phil is one of those guys that when he's on the course, there's just this sense of calm that he can, I think, place around the team. And when you look at some of the younger guys on the on the squad who uh, maybe if it's not their first Ryder Cup, it's only first or second Ryder Cup for them, there is something about Phil that I see as as almost a co-captain, as a leader, as a veteran, as a guy that, that guys want to draw off of. So I will take that, that calmness of Phil, that kind of California laid-back attitude where, hey, man, look, you just got to go out there and play your game. And, and I know that we've seen Phil fall apart at the end of some tournaments sometimes, sure, but not all the time. So 
I love Tiger and Phil on this team. And, oh, by the way, it wasn't but a couple of months ago when Jack Nicholas said that Tiger's a surefire pick even after the surgery. So I'll aim with what Jack said. I'll aim with what Watson said. Watson said back in June, look, if he's healthy, if Tiger's healthy and playing good golf when it's time to make picks, he's an automatic pick. That was before he came back and showed at the British that he can play in some tournaments. So I'll take Tiger Phil, and then I like one of your picks. I uh, I, I absolutely love Keegan Bradley. I think that this is another guy that's, uh, again, out there in Scotland that's going to give you the chance to lay some wood, and I think he can do that. So uh, Phil, Tiger, and Keegan are going to be my three if I get to pick my three. You know, it'll be fun as we circle back up around Ryder Cup time, do another show, the three of us, and see where we landed with this and see how it all works out. Well, I'm, I'm sure the networks are hoping Rob's right. They won't, they won't <laughs> the Tiger in the, in the, in the, Let me ask you this because I, I meant that I actually had this conversation uh, on my show the other day. There's no surprise that in many cases uh, TV contracts and, and TV execs do inf- have influence over sports. We've seen it in college football a million times. We've seen it in the NFL every single day, this whole thing with Ray Rice. There's many networks are afraid, ESPN especially. I don't mean to call anybody out, but there's nobody criticizing the NFL. Why? Because they know that the NFL can punish you for it later. Do you think – that the the execs that are in charge of of the Ryder Cup television scheduling, do you think there will be any bugs in Tom's ear saying even if they're not playing great golf, Tiger and Phil have to be there? I, I, there's got to be at least a little pressure to pick them to get the golf tournament ratings up, right? Yeah, yeah, kind of under the radar, but but you can bet there might be some pressure because you know they bring eyes to the sets. No question. Hey, last question before we close it out. It's been great having you here. A little bit on where our fans can find you. Obviously, around here, they can tune into the radio station, but now that we've got this worldwide web thing that Al Gore invented, there's other ways to find you, Facebook, Twitter, all those other things. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Uh, you can find me on Twitter. I love Twitter. I think Twitter is, is the greatest thing that this generation has come up with, and I don't say that lightly. I think Twitter, uh, as a news source, is phenomenal. You find out things as they're happening, the moment they're happening, from people who actually have eyes on. I think Twitter is great. You can find me on Twitter at the Rob Brown Show at the Rob Brown Show on the Twitter handle. And, uh, you know, I talk on Twitter all the time. On Facebook, it's Radio Guy Rob Brown, Radio Guy Rob Brown. Uh, we take both of those sources and uh, very frequently throw out show topics and, and engage in discussion away from my three hours on the radio. Uh, and then, of course, you can stream the radio station at theticketsportsnetwork.com, at theticketsportsnetwork.com. My show is 6 to 9 a.m. every weekday, uh, and you can stream the show live from there. And then you can email me if you want to shoot me an email for some reason. It's radioguyrob at gmail.com. So uh, find me at all those mediums. I, I love talking sports with just about anybody at any point in time. And, uh, uh, you know, all those are, are available for you. And that's 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Central time, correct? Painfully so, yes. Yeah, 6 a.m. to 9 a.m. Centrally. So, you know, I've had Tom come sit in a number of times, and uh, uh, usually by around 9.30 or so, he's giving me the look across the table, like, why am I here this early? But uh, as a, a very wise uh, teacher of mine had when I was starting radio, as I was told many times, you never get used to getting up at 5 a.m. You just get used to working tired. And, uh, you know, I'm happy to do it, though. At the end of the day, we're, uh, you know, we're getting paid to talk some golf, talk some football. How bad could it be? Great having you, Rob. Thanks for Thank stopping you guys by. For having me. Me, and, me and you and Kerry will do it again sometime. Absolutely. Looking forward to talking awesome. to you guys, hopefully, uh, closer to Ryder Cup. And, uh, you know, my man Tiger, I, I think he's going to be fine. Rob Brown. Well, Kerry, it's our first in studio guest in a long time. And uh, the opinionated one does not disappoint, does he? No, he's uh, very knowledgeable, though. I mean, I've listened to Rob's program, and uh, the guy loves sports, and uh, he's just a sports guy. So it was great to have him on. Yeah, look him up. Look him up again on the ticket. That's 100.3 FM. You Google that, you can listen to his show if you're up. 
from 6 to 9 a.m., and he, he does a lot of other things. But uh, it was great having him on. Hey, just as a reminder to all our listeners, if you're listening on the edwinwattsgolf.com page or you're listening on the Uinta page, soon you'll be able to listen on Worldwide Golf, Roger Dunn, and the other companies' page. But a sure way to find us, no matter how, is go to iTunes. Go to the iTunes store and click. Uh, just type in Golf Better. That's two words, though, on iTunes. Golf space better. It will pop right up. Our logo, the Golf Better podcast, you can subscribe to it free of charge and have it downloaded to your iPod, iPad, MP3 player, whatever, however you listen. That's a surefire way to uh, to not miss any of the episodes. Well, Kerry, thanks so much for taking the time and joining in, man. Thanks, Tom. And it's thanks to you, our listeners, and thanks to Rob Brown for joining us today. And we'll do it again next time when we have another episode of Golf Better at edwinwattsgolf.com. So long, everyone.